You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We weren't expecting the Chicago Bears to pull off any kind of major upset against the Arizona Cardinals, but it did feel like a game where a lot seemed to go against the Bears. Call it luck, call it fate, call it whatever you want. The ball was not bouncing in their favor. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. Make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel as well to keep up with all of our video podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every single day. On the show today, we are going back through the Bears' loss to the Arizona Cardinals. We'll look at the performances of, of Andy Dalton despite four interceptions. Definitely not looking as bad overall as the passer rating and that stat line might suggest. David Montgomery and the running game getting going as well. That's where we'll start. We'll turn to where some things went wrong offensively with the receivers making a lot of mistakes, the play calling not necessarily wowing you, the offensive line having some issues as well. And then we'll turn to the defense as well, where it's like, yes, they gave up 33 points, but those turnovers don't put them in very favorable positions, but still not a lot to love from the defensive performance either. And we're kind of left again in this sort of hard to figure out zone of like how how much do you blame them and get upset about an overall poor performance, but how much were they really kind of set up to fail by the offense? We'll, we'll sort of try and parse that out a little bit more. But I, I do want to start with, with Andy Dalton and the offense because this is one of those weird games where I don't feel like the box score is necessarily going to be a great reflection of what we saw from the quarterback. Like, yes, like, Four interceptions don't just happen by accident, but certainly the first two, for sure, don't. We're, we're not on Andy Dalton at all. You know, the first interception hits. Was it what Jakeem Grant was the first one? It hit him in the hands. It was a little bit behind him, but hit him in the hands and up and caught, intercepted by the defense. It was a catchable pass thrown by Andy Dalton, not one that I'm going to blame him for. Second one in and out of the hands of Cole Komet. Again, these were not pinpoint accurate passes per se. They were not perfect throws, but they were catchable passes, and they were certainly not passes that were interceptable on the path from which they left Andy Dalton's hands, right? he did, when he when The action that Andy Dalton took did not lead to those passes being intercepted. It was the actions of the receivers they were intended for that led to them being intercepted. Third one tipped at the line of scrimmage, or maybe I'm getting the third and fourth one mixed up, but you know, one of the last two was tipped at the line of scrimmage and kind of up in the air. At that point, I, I don't want, I don't tend to kill the quarterback for a batted. I mean, it wasn't batted, but it was tipped, which throws off the path of the ball. So it's like it didn't go where Andy Dalton was aiming it, and so he wasn't like it was necessarily horribly inaccurate or a horrible decision there because we don't know exactly where the ball would have gone had it not been interrupted by a defensive player. So a defensive player that he has no control over with the defensive line. You don't pass anticipating or not anticipating a defensive lineman swat in that one. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to kill Dalton for that necessarily. I mean, it was less, it was more his fault than the ones where his wide receivers just straight up dropped it, but let, you know, still not like 
an obviously just like terrible read, terrible throw type thing. The one on the screen pass, the running back screen, looked the worst because defensive lineman steps in front of running back and runs it back almost, or I mean, runs it back for, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, that one's hard to sit with, but at the same time, when you watch the replay, when Dalton is letting go of that pass, you know, defender is, his view from Dalton is certainly obscured by the offensive line, and the defensive lineman kind of just steps out in front, and he's going to throw that running back screen pretty much regardless, unless it's clearly obviously covered and he just is supposed to throw it in the dirt. But when he lets go of that ball, it's not clearly obviously covered. And so, again, like bad throw and bad decision, and maybe he should have anticipated. You should have been able to sort of see out of your peripheral vision maybe that like, hey, that defender is unblocked and he's going to be able to step in front of that. You know, maybe. Uh, maybe you'd – and certainly four, you know, happen, fool me once, shame on me. Ha- fool me four times? You know, it's like it's hard to just – erase all four from Andy Dalton, right? I mean, like, he, he deserves some blame there. Certainly not for the first two, but, like, there's some blame there that goes to Andy Dalton, but it's, like, some of that's just bad luck. You know, it's just the ball bounces or tips or is, is floats a different way, and the defense is just in a great spot. Good players make good plays. They have good instincts. They know where they're supposed to be and where to be in the best position to potentially pick off some of those passes. So I give the Cardinals credit for being able to make those plays. And I certainly blame the receivers for not catching the first two. Absolutely. But it's like, it's, it's hard to like really kill Dalton. Not that, not that he had a, a great game otherwise, but you know, he had some throws. He was able to, you know, make some nice check downs and his pocket presence was, you know, was phenomenal. He made some guys miss some pass rushers that should have had him dead to rights, particularly on that trick play. The sort of David Montgomery Wildcat flips it to the wide receiver, flips it back to Dalton, and it looked like that play was blown up and just going to be a huge sack for a loss and another sort of, you know, Matt Nagy gets cute type of smartest man in the room play. But no, instead Dalton makes the guy miss and flips it to Jakeem Grant for 35 yards or whatever that was. Like that worked out really well. And that was a great play by Dalton to make the guy miss and still get the pass off. And there were a couple of those where Dalton's pocket presence, and we, we talked about it early in the season too, that was the big difference between him and Fields, is that like Dalton has such a great feel, for the most part, for the pocket. There was a play down the stretch where the Dalton's blitzed, and he kind of just ate the sack, and it was kind of like you'd like him to get rid of it, but the Bears were in max protect, so he didn't have a hot route there, so you kind of blame the coaching staff on some of that one. But you know, it, it was, all in all, still kind of the same Andy Dalton. It wasn't an awful Dalton performance, but it wasn't a great Dalton performance. And, you know, they got strong from the running game quite a bit. You know, David Montgomery finished with over four yards of carry, 90 yards on 21 attempts. That was the game plan going in against the Cardinals. If you wanted to have a chance to beat this team, you were going to need to run the ball and run the ball well. And for the most part, the Bears were able to do that with David Montgomery. The problem is if you're going to go with the sort of ball control, time of possession slow it down type of offense, which still put up 22 points in this game, you you can't afford to turn the ball over four times. And it's not, again, I'm not blaming fully Andy Dalton for all four of those turnovers, but this was not a performance. This was not a game plan. This was not an opponent that you could afford to turn the ball over four times. There are very few teams that you can have four interceptions against and still beat. And I honestly, I give the Bears some credit for hanging in there as well as they did, given the number of turnovers that they had in that game. They were able to at least keep things relatively close for quite a while in there. And there's there's some there's some credit deserved there, but a lot of other things went wrong for this offense. Some 
you know, the receivers not helping their quarterback all that much, the offensive line having some issues, and certainly some real play-calling questions. We'll get into all that before we turn our attention to this Chicago Bears defense next on Locked on Bears. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, then you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a way to get, a real simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And it's really, I think, a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch all of your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, never ha not having to switch between these devices, and, and no need to ever buy another actual physical device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and really the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required, content varies by package. In this loss to the Arizona Cardinals, we saw many of the same types of frustrations we've seen this season from the Bears offense. And then some things kind of popping up a little bit in some slightly different ways. And this was one of the more frustrating performances from Bears receivers. And it kind of felt like no one was really exempt from it. I mean, I think we saw Darnell Mooney drop passes. We saw Demir Bird, Jakeem Grant, Rodney Adams called up from the practice squad. Cole Komet had a drop. I guess I don't think Jimmy Graham had a drop. He just kind of had the, the one target for the touchdown on the pick route, which, you know, good for him just being the sort of the touchdown mercenary, the hawk in there to get one catch, one target, one yard, one touchdown is a, a great stat line for a 37-year-old tight end or however old he is. Good for Jimmy Graham. But then, like, you know, there were wide receivers lined up wrong. There were false starts. There was illegal formations. And it was just like it was a struggle to kind of get things going well at that position. And I immediately want to go to blame the wide receivers coach, Mike Furry, because it just seems like this culmination of like over the years, the Bears have not done a very good job developing wide receiver talent outside of Darnell Mooney, although Darnell Mooney came in his rookie season week one starting playing at a high level. So I don't really feel like I give the wide receiver coach a ton of credit. I mean, has Mooney gotten worlds better since then? Not necessarily. He has gotten better, but he was he seemed to be much, much more talented than a rookie fifth-round pick from the moment he stepped on the field. And so I'm not, and it's hard to know exactly how much credit to give Mike Furry there. And certainly Allen Robinson comes in as a veteran, but like, you know, you talk about Anthony Miller and Javon Wims and some of the other younger players that have kind of come through. And now the different guys that they've had come up off the bench. It's like when, when Rodney Adams gets elevated for this game and has that, he's running the out route and drops that pass, the really easy one. This is like simple... NFL wide receiver coaching, right? When you when you if you watch that drop pass, Rodney Adams like like doesn't extend his arms. He like lets the ball. He tries to like he's running to the outside. He tries to let the ball fall into his arms instead of what high school wide receiver coaches will coach you is to stick your hands out, right? I mean like if if it's above your chest, you put your hand your thumbs together. If it's below your chest, it's thumbs out. But you extend your arms to catch it with your hands instead of catching it with your body. That's what they talk about like in scouting terms. I see a body catcher or a hands catcher. And Rodney Adams was trying to catch it with his body. And yes, I understand he was just called up off the practice squad and hasn't been 
catching passes from Andy Dalton. You know, he's been, but he's been, he has been practicing. He's been on the practice squad. They're still part of the team. They're just not on the field on Sundays. And so, like, you would think his wide receiver coach would have it pretty well ingrained in him to go reach out, to go catch that ball, to go get the ball. Don't wait for the ball to come to you. Go get the pass. And that's how you prevent the drop. And yet, here he is in his first action, and he drops that pass. And so it's like, I I want to blame the wide receivers coaching and just the coaching in general. But at the same time, it's like, well, Allen Robinson's hurt. Marquise Goodwin's hurt. And so you're bringing up practice squad wide receivers. So what, you know, how much is the coaching staff supposed to do when his wide receiving core outside of Darnell Mooney is Demir Bird, Jakeem Grant, and Rodney Adams. I mean, it's just not, it is not a quality group of wide receivers that they're working with, you know? And so like, you know, you do blame the general manager then for not having good wide receiver depth. I mean, yes, missing two guys is going to be hard for most teams to overcome, but you look at the Arizona Cardinals, and they have DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, who was their their second-round pick two years ago, and Rondell Moore, their rookie, rookie second-round pick this year. They have five quality wide receivers on their roster, where even if two were injured, they would have two starting-caliber players, that two guys that would start on the Bears in this game had they been outside of their top two wide. You know what I mean? Like, they have five guys, five wide receivers on the roster that would be the Bears' next best wide receiver after Darnell Mooney in this game because their general manager values wide receiver depth and understands how important of a position that is in the modern NFL to help your young quarterback be better, right? I mean, it's, it's so, like, I, I blame Ryan Pace and I blame the wide receiving coach collectively. I mean, you should still be able to get these guys lined up without false starting and getting, you know what I mean? And they're having to burn timeouts and all those different things. So it's just, it, it's frustrating in that regard. Or same thing at like center, with the offensive line, Sam Mustafer. How many weeks in a row are we going to watch him take a shotgun snap and snap it into his butt thinking there's a quarterback under center or just have these bad snaps that go nowhere? It's just frustrating. And then on top of that, he'll have poor blocks too. And they're or like on the QB sneak on the goal line where, you know, Andy Dalton is like second and goal and they're trying to, and, and Mustafa just snaps it and falls forward on the ground and doesn't really get any push on anyone. And the defensive line, the linebacker go over him and push Dalton backwards. So he's not able to get that one yard for the sneak. Like the sneak is so much about your center and your two guards, but especially when Dalton is going straight forward and the center just can't get a push because he's not very good. And the bears don't have a real backup center on the roster. Like, your backup center is either Cody Whitehair or James Daniels moving a guard over to center and disrupting your whole offensive line. They don't have a true backup center. And again, general manager as opposed to offensive line coach there. Like, I'm not, I don't love the job Juan Castillo has done as offensive line coach in terms of developing players and keeping guys in positions over the years. But, it's a, I mean, they look at the GM for not having a backup center. But then, like, play calling-wise, there were a couple of times in this game I was tweeting about this during the game because it's so frustrating when you're watching at home. And it's third and nine, and they call a wide receiver screen. They're at the 30-yard line, and it's third and long. Like, you're just outside of the red zone. You're gearing up to score. It's third and medium long. What is the play call, coach? Wide receiver screen. You're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. When it's third down, and you have nine yards to go, and you need to finish this drive with points to keep your game. Or like later on in the game, it was the same kind of thing. They had a couple of third and longs where they called 
wide receiver screens. And it's just frustrating. And then they get third and 19. They had a holding penalty on one of the screens. Third and 19 curl routes. Curl flats. They were deep curls. They were like 15-yard curls, but they're short of the line of scrimmage. And yes, on third and 19, you're not necessarily going to be throwing all the time past the, the first down marker. Yes, but curls do not give you yards after the catch, right? Curls are a catch-and-get-tackled type of easy completion, not a, hey, let's get a wide receiver in space and let him try and make up those 19 yards, or at least most of those 19 yards. And it's just, it's so frustrating to me when the play call doesn't seem to account for the down and distance. Like later on in the game, they had a second and four, like the 40. They ran a wide receiver screen to Mooney, picked up six yards. Great. I'm not anti-wide receiver screen at all. Wide receiver screens can be effective plays when run correctly in the right down distance. But you run a wide receiver screen on second and four because then if it goes nowhere, you have a third and short. You do not run a wide receiver screen on third and long expecting you to pick up long yards on the wide receiver screen. Like even a running back screen is a little bit better in the sense that you tend to get real blockers out in front. I don't love a running back screen on third and long either. Like I want to pass a little bit downfield to give you some of those air yards instead of having to catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage and have to run even more yards than the long down and distance you already have from the line of scrimmage. Like if it's third and nine, you have nine yards to go, which is already a lot. But when you throw the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage, you now have 11 yards to go. You move backwards by choice before your player advances the ball forward. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It, I mean, it's just, God, it's so frustrating watching this team with, with this play calling. And it just, God, it eats me up when it's little things like that that just other teams don't do. And I don't know if it's a so dedicated to the system thing or if this is like, a, well, Dalton likes the wide receiver screenplay, so we call those on key down distances. But it's definitely scared play calling, perhaps scared feeling like your quarterback is limited, feeling like your wide receivers are limited, whatever it might be. But it just, it doesn't work. And that's why this Bears offense struggles to score points and struggles to win games and why we're back in some of these same situations. Now, that being said, giving up 33 points, not a winning formula either. We'll, we'll kind of take a look at this defense and figure out how much do you blame them? How much do you blame the turnovers? How much do you blame the injuries? Where, 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 do, you, where do you sort of land on this Bears defense that continues to have these weird performances that never feel good? but never feel quite their fault. Anyway, we'll, we'll try and figure that all out next on Locked On Bears. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're called Built Bars. They are the world's best tasting protein bars for a reason because some of those other protein bar brands, you know, they're all a little bit, you know, a little chalky, a little waxy. Sometimes they're just kind of straight up hard to get down and they, they try and lure you in and you think you're going to get some kind of chocolate treat, but instead it's just, ugh, ugh. They just don't taste good, but built bars are different. And trust me, I've been eating built bars for like over a year now. And I eat one literally every single day because they are so good. I have to limit myself to really just eating one a day because I would go through my boxes of them way, way, way too fast. They come in a bunch of delicious flavors. You will find one you love, but every built bar is low sugar, low calories, high fiber, high protein, all covered in 100% real chocolate. There's nothing else like it on the market. You got to try it for yourself. Head on over to built.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Your Chicago Bears were unable to cover what was hovering around a seven and a half, eight point spread 
at betonline.ag, losing by 11 in this one. But hey, those games can be a lot more exciting when you know the team's fighting through it and trying to at least get back within a touchdown. And if you have money on the Bears with the spread, all of a sudden it matters that much more. Bet Online is going to be the number one place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs, whether it's basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball season when they gets back around. Bet Online has that too. Plus, all your favorite Vegas casino games online as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers for the 2021 season. Sign up today for a free account, totally free. And when you enter in our promo code Locked On, they're going to give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They're giving you free money, extra free money for you to play with at BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. It's hard not to look at this performance, giving up 33 points, and start with the Bears defense. But I'm I'm torn. I, I really am, and I, I try and come up with, come into this feeling like I have like a definitive answer. And after just watching the game live and not being able to go back through the tape yet, we we don't have a full answer. But it's like when I think about this defense, 33 points allowed is not. A, an acceptable performance, especially with the way the Bears offense is playing. But like generally speaking, if you give up 33 points, chances are you're not going to win the game. And so you need better from your defense, period. But, however, you look at the four interceptions, which we already talked about how they're not, I don't fully blame Andy Dalton, certainly for the first two, and then the, the second two varying amounts of Andy Dalton blame, but the Cardinals start, started their drive. They had four of their drives started at the 20, the Bears 28-yard line, the 15-yard line, the 28-yard line again, and the 12-yard line. Two drives started in the red zone. Two drives started just outside of the red zone. And, like, maybe the 85 Bears defense and, the, you know, the 2000s Ravens defense could hold teams to field goals on all four of those drives. But I do feel like that's a lot to ask of of any defense, and then especially this defense without Khalil Mack, without Akeem Hicks, without Mario Edwards, with a, a banged-up Roquan Smith, probably still a, a not 100% Eddie Jackson, certainly not an Eddie Jackson playing very well at all, plus major talent deficiencies at multiple cornerback spots. Like, this was a... It's like, like no, like no crap they're going to give up some touchdowns after four turnovers. Like, I just wonder if, say... Demir Bird, I'm pretty sure the first one was to Demir Bird, catches the first interception, doesn't drop it and flip it up to a defender. And say Cole Komet catches the second interception instead of, again, flipping it up and leaving it to a defender to pick off. I'm not saying the Bears win this game, but I think, you say you take off those two touchdowns, I mean, the Bears lost by 11, two touchdowns, 14 points, would do the math, would say they would win the game. But I'm not even going to go that far because there's a lot of different intangibles. But I, I don't think we would feel nearly as bad about the defensive performance without those two interceptions. Like, yes, I want to hold in the field goals on all those drives. And there were other drives where the Cardinals drove the length of the field and scored touchdowns. And that's not good. And that was not good defense on those drives. But, you know, third and fourth quarter, the Bears held them to some key field goals there. And they held them to some punts throughout the game. And I do give them credit that, you know, they get down 14-0 early. They get down, what, 21-7 at the half. And there was it, it was right around there. I think it was, pull up the score here. Yeah, 21-7 at the half. I mean, they were down early and down for the entire game. And the defense didn't quit. And they held strong even in the third and fourth quarters. They did not quit. They did not give up. And they deserve some credit for that. But, again, how, 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 
how bad of a defensive performance is it when the offense consistently put them in horrible positions? Like, don't get me wrong. Pass rush was not what it needed to be. You know, we saw some flashes from Travis Gibson and Robert Quinn again. Great. Interior defensive line, missing, you know, clearly missing Akeem Hicks, missing Mario Edwards. We talked about it on Friday's podcast. They needed somebody to step up against a weaker Cardinals interior. You know, Nichols, Blackson, Goldman, they were okay. I mean, they were they were, they were were okay, but it, they weren't able to sack Kyler Murray. He fumbled twice just from a wet ball and had to fall on it. And, like, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, the ball was just bouncing in the Cardinals' favor, right? Their quarterback fumbled twice and fell on it, and the Bears had two interceptions go through the hands of their own players. Like, luck, fate, you know, whatever deity you worship was on the Cardinals' side through this game. And that was just one of those things where it's just, it's kind of classic Bears at this stage of the season where it's just, they couldn't get anything to go exactly right the way they wanted to. But then, like, you start to hammer in a little bit more, right? We're talking about the pass rush, but then, like, the tackling, especially on two of those touchdowns. I mean, it just, it bugs the hell out of me. Like, when Kyler Murray runs into the end zone on that scramble and Jalen Johnson kind of pulls up and doesn't try to hit him, Going in the end zone, like he clearly made some level of business decision. You could argue that maybe he would have had to dive, and he wasn't. It wasn't like it wasn't on the level of like Teddy Bridgewater a couple weeks ago for the Broncos, just choosing not to even try to tackle on the interception return. Like Johnson still had to like hustle to get over there, but like clearly he could have tried to do something to stop Kyler Murray from crossing from the one yard line to the end zone. And he kind of said, "Ah, well, he's gonna score." Ah, shucks. We can't catch him. And that's such a loser's mentality. And not that I'm not that I could be in the mind of Jalen Johnson necessarily, but it's like this lack of physicality and lack of tackling. Because then there was the catch by James Conner. The one-handed catch by the running back. Beautiful catch. I mean, wow. I mean, that was that was like a a pretty miraculous type of a catch you don't expect from a running back, even. You know what I mean? Like, let alone wide receivers trying to make that play, but a running back instead, like, also to, to catch that ball was was pretty ridiculous. But then Xavier Crawford, the slot cornerback, trying to kind of catch up and and make, you know, just to make a tackle in the flat on a running back and totally whiffs on it is, I mean, I mean, it's just, you can't, you can't do that in at this, you know, in the NFL like this. And I, and I can't help but feel like there's a, a mentality in this defense when you have, you know, the real true leader in the secondary is Eddie Jackson, right? I mean, like, he is the guy all the young defensive backs look up to, and Jackson is not a physical tackler. And I just can't help but feel like when he's nonchalant about tackling, whether it's in practice or in games, and it's kind of like, well, you know, we don't need to, you know, everyone can tackle, is was the quote from Eddie Jackson. Like, I, I just can't help but feel like that that mentality bleeds over a little bit and is you know it reflects on these younger players that maybe are a little bit impressionable and they look at him as a leader and say oh well you know Eddie doesn't make a big deal out of tackling and so I I also don't have to make a big deal out of tackling because he's he's our leader and so it's like I I don't want to blame Eddie Jackson for Jalen Johnson not tackling Kyler Murray and for Xavier Crawford missing that tackle but I, I just can't help but feel like there's some some of that that trickles over a little bit of just like if Eddie's not going to be a physical safety and they don't really have a lot of like physical tacklers I I just can't but wonder if it's a little bit easier for them to be lazy and bad tackling when they see it from the guy who's sort of the role model for them in the secondary and then puts put some of that blame on Sean Desai that not only is he the defensive coordinator but he was like the secondaries coach and the safeties coach for the last four years or whatever you know but he was a 
quality control coach or whatever, and then promoted a defensive backs coach and now defensive coordinator. He's been there the whole time, and he hasn't been able to instill that type of physicality or tackling or just making sure that matters to those players, clearly in a way that is having negative impacts. Now, again, I don't know. It, it say Xavier Crawford makes that tackle on James Conner. Do the Cardinals end up still scoring there? Maybe. Or if Jalen Johnson hits Kyler Murray out of bounds at the one-yard line, they're probably still going to score on that drive. It's not the difference between the win and the loss, but when you look at like ways this defense can be better in ways that they can control, right? You can't necessarily control that Artie Burns and and Kendall Vildor are bad, right? I mean, there's just right now there's not a lot you can do about that, but you can do something about hey, like just being physical and tackling, right? You know what I mean? Just tackle. That's day one high school football stuff, and it feels like the Bears defense doesn't quite do that. And those are the types of things that are frustrating in this loss and make it, make, make, makes it hard to feel like, okay, the defense did not play well. They had a bad game, but they weren't necessarily fully responsible for all 33 points. And that's where it's like, okay, how do you grade that? I, I, I don't know. It was, ba- it was bad defense, but it wasn't 33 points bad, but it wasn't maybe good enough defense to win the game. So... But it wasn't good enough offense either when you have four picks, even when they're not fully on the quarterback. And that's that kind of encapsulates this bear season where it's like a lot's going wrong and it's not fully anyone's fault individually. But like collectively, they have bad luck and bad coaching and bad players. And it's like none of those things individually are the problem. They're just all problems that all add up together to seeing losing football. And that's what we end up watching on our TVs on Sunday. I hope the Lockdown Bears podcast makes it a little bit more bearable for you. I appreciate you tuning in and following along with us. I hope you're subscribed on whatever podcasting app you're using to listen to this podcast or certainly on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. I hope you're a subscriber on there. I appreciate everyone who likes and comments on the videos and kind of keeps us as a part of their regular listening habits. Appreciate everyone who's been sharing their Spotify wrapped with us. When So the app, the, the listen to the music and podcasting app, Spotify has a thing at the end of the year where it shows you the podcast you've listened to the most this year. And we get people, listeners to this show, sharing mostly on Twitter at Lockdown Bears. We just got, a, got one yesterday from... Alan McNamee, McName, Alec, Alan McName, he's at Alan McName1 on Twitter, sent us and showed us his Spotify wrapped that shows he is a, a big listener of the Locked on Bears podcast. And I, I know I got another one, and I was trying to find it, I, I, but I don't remember. If I don't, I can't find it right now, but if I find it between now and tomorrow's podcast, I think we got another one from somebody else that I wanted to shout out, and I'm not finding it right away as I'm, trying to look for it while I'm recording this podcast. But regardless, appreciate everyone who shares those with us. It's cool to see. And it's also, you know, appreciate you listening and following along and listening enough for us to be in your top listens on Spotify. It's really cool to sort of see that. And like, it's, it's, it's kind of humbling a little bit and it's just, it's hard not to kind of get that chills feeling when people share how much they listen to and enjoy the podcast. So thank you. Right. I mean, like we, I don't do this just to talk to myself in front of a camera and a microphone, right? I mean, I do it to share with you guys, and I really appreciate everyone who listens and comments and follows along and is is a part of these conversations. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast, even as the team struggles. And of course, like always, more than anything else, I hope the podcast makes it a little bit easier for you to bear down.